The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before give? a wedding should I send out many save the dates? The first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to Agency month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this month we're focusing on understanding and optimizing the relationships SEO agencies have with their in-house SEO partners. Joining us is Lucas Hench, who is the founder of PathMonk, which is an AI-driven technology that provides an effortless customer acquisition channel to automatically grow clients from website and social media traffic. Prior to working at PathMonk, Lucas also worked at a company called Google, working in their mobile optimization team. Maybe you've heard of it. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. And today, Lucas and I are going to talk about what agencies need to know about how Google views technical SEO. Okay, on with the show. Here's my conversation with Lucas Hench, founder at PathMonk. Lucas, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Excited to have you here and excited to not only talk to you because you're doing some interesting things in conversion rate optimization, but honestly, you're an ex-Googler and, you know, we don't get to talk to many people that are, are you know, working at the mothership being an SEO podcast. Tell us a little bit about you and your background. Oh, yeah, sure. So we're just normal people. <laughs> just to get that, uh, get it out the door first. Yeah, sure. So I've been with Google for about four years working in various teams. And one of the teams has been also the mobile optimization team. And that's probably one of the reasons why we were chatting here today. So I basically spent time in Google working with some of Google's... It's funny, actually, while I'm saying Google, my Google app goes off here, my assistant. One second. There you go. So basically spent time with Google's mobile optimization team, which means we would be working together with Google's larger advertising clients in order to optimize their websites 
from various angles, from mobile websites in particular, from a UX angle, as well as from a page speed and performance angle, given, you know, the different impact that it has on, you know, SEO, we're going to chat about that. And obviously just purely conversions on the site. And uh, yeah, I've basically seen a lot in what goes into conversion rate optimization, what goes into, you know, getting more leads from your site as if you're a lead generation company. And then I moved on to Workday as another Silicon Valley based company as a, a UX lead designer for one of their products, spent there about a year. And then after all of those learnings and the time there moved into, you know, being co-founder in the PathMonk, which is looking into how you are able to qualify and convert more people from your website through artificial intelligence. So you've had a, a rich history working in some pretty notable companies. I'll be honest, the one I care the most about is Google. Mm-hmm. And specifically, you know, we don't get an opportunity to talk to people at Google about how they think about SEO. And you were on the mobile team. So, you know, technical SEO is something I specifically want to focus on. Give us the lay of the land. Spill the beans. How does Google think about what we should be doing? What are the major ranking factors that matter? Tell us the secret sauce. Yeah, so I have brought here a paper with all the ranking factors. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, even being in Google, there's uh, you know various levels of insights that you could have uh, only to certain topics. And my my focus within Google has been always on page speed optimization, performance optimization, um, as it is one of the ranking factors. So unfortunately, I cannot come with the, the whole formula for you guys. But what I can do is I can share how we were thinking internally about page speed, what types of metrics to look at, how we could be you know, measuring this, what is the main things you can be looking at. If you're an SEO agency, maybe what is a quick check that you can do with the clients that you're working with to maybe you know, point them to one or the other things that they can be doing on their page to just increase page speed a little bit. So have to slightly disappoint. I don't have the whole formula, but I would guess there's actually not that many people in the world who would actually have a whole oversight on all of this. I'm sure if they did, they wouldn't be talking to me on this podcast, but boy, would I be (laughs) grateful. So, uh, you know, we all know that page speed is one of the most, if not the most important ranking factors. And one of the biggest pieces of low-hanging fruit when it comes to making drastic performance changes we talk about technical SEO, it's always the first thing that we think about is how quickly are you loading your website to provide relevant content to your consumers? From the inside, how does Google think about page speed? And, and you know, is it really the number one ranking factor that they cared about while you were there? So it's definitely an important factor, right? Is it the number one? I wouldn't even be able to tell you, right? Because I don't have even that full insights there. What I can tell you... But yes, yes, but yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I can say is that it's definitely growing in importance. There has been an increasing focus on page speed optimization. And it's actually, you know, putting the SEO ranking aside a little bit, it is actually a very natural thing to do for Google, right? Because more and more mobile searches are happening. I think the mobile traffic has surpassed the desktop traffic quite a while ago. And now it then basically the next step is to figure out, okay, how do the pages where the visitors land on, what experience do you provide when you do that on mobile, right? Do you provide an experience that is a blank screen for the next 10 seconds? Or do you have a continuously good experience from the different search results into the different pages? So definitely, it's an important factor. Definitely, there was a team internally in Google that was just focusing on, you know, identifying what can be gaps that Google's clients are having in terms of page speed optimization. And sort of that's where my learnings and my history come from. And 
the perspective on a very high level internally on how you can think about page speed optimization, because there's many ways to think about this. But what we particularly looked at and focused at was, how do you make sure that you serve a first meaningful experience in the fastest way possible, right? How does that above the fold content render the quickest and shows meaningful content, meaning a hero image, a call to action, a headline, you know, maybe one or two other images, your icons. How long does it take until all of this is actually being displayed on the mobile device? Um, because there's tons of metrics that you could be theoretically looking at, right? If you're looking at page speed optimization, there's the load time of the page, there's the time to first byte, there's the start of the render, there's the fully loaded. What we were continuously looking at was something called speed index. And speed index is basically a metric that represents how long it takes until the above-the-fold content of your first visit is being rendered, right? How many milliseconds does it take? Okay, so that's an important distinction. While we're thinking about site speed and you know, you could look at various metrics to understand what your site speed is, from your experience, Google cares first and foremost about what's going to be above the fold that's going to load. And so if you have heavy pages, you have to prioritize the top of the page to load first and make sure that you're having that first glance being visible as quick as possible. This is agency month. And so, you know, for the agency partners that are out there or for, you know, the in-house SEOs that are thinking about how to work with their agencies, when you're thinking about a site speed audit, Mm -hmm. right, it's something that, you know, a lot of agencies are doing, they're coming in, they're going to say, hey, we're going to evaluate and audit the technical aspect of your SEO. What are the metrics that agencies should be thinking about? And what should the in-house partners be asking for when it comes to understanding the site speed and the evaluation of their pages. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's even Google tools where you can get your sort of ranking, right? Or your your percentage points of how good your page is doing. I can tell you what we've been doing internally, even as the team talking with people. As I was describing this idea of the page speed index, I think that is a very, very good metric to look at because it describes exactly how long it takes until that first page above the fold is being rendered. And you can leverage tools like webpagetest.org, for example, which is, it's not an official Google tool, but it was built actually by the, you know, Google cracks that are the super brains on that topic. Basically, they were building these tools. It's not really an official Google tool, but it's built by Googlers and is heavily informing also internally. So webpagetest.org is a super good tool to run your page through and then check the checking the page speed index. And that speed index will be something around... You know, it depends obviously how fast you're loading, but it's in milliseconds. So it's going to tell you a page speed index of around maybe, let's say, 5,000 if your first above the fold content is being loaded in five seconds. So that's a really, really good place to start. And then from that first train of thought, there is a lot of questions kicking off from there, right? That could be asked. So obviously there's the site speed index, which is how long it takes to have that first top of the page load. What are the things that you can do to affect page speed when you're, you know, I just loaded the martechpod.com, a, a website that I run for another podcast, and I have a page load time of 5.2 seconds. What can I do to decrease that? Right. So you mentioned the page speed index of 5,200, then I would assume mm-hmm. that's what you're seeing. Yeah, so there is a lot that you can do about it. I think the very first thing that I can say is, how the browser actually deals with the page, right? That's And if you're thinking along the lines of how the browser thinks about it, then I think you're going to be on a very good track from the get-go. So on a very, very high level, right? 
the browser is going through something called a critical rendering path. And the critical rendering path is basically what the browser is going through in order to get the resources that it wants to show, download them and execute them, right? And there is basically different steps. I'm just going to keep it high level, but basically the browser is going through the HTML parsing. So it's getting its HTML, the CSS, the JavaScript, and then it's putting everything together, the CSS OM and the DOM, which means it's called the render tree. So it's building up the page, right? Step by step. And then it gives you the paint on the screen. And basically, what now can happen is that different resources, your JavaScript files, your CSS files, your HTML files, they can so-called block the rendering path, right? And that means if you have, for example, a big JavaScript file, let's say you're loading a carousel on the top of your website, which is JavaScript-based, it's going to be blocking the rendering because it's going to take time until this JavaScript is being downloaded, executed, and then basically, you know, ready for the site and ready for the router to start its rendering and layout and painting of the screen. So the core idea is thinking like the browser about this and looking at the individual files that potentially can affect your rendering. And from there on, you know, analyzing each of the files and then try to find solutions for the issues that will be occurring because for JavaScript, for CSS, for your images, for your fonts, for your icon fonts, there will be different issues playing in that in the end make the picture that you see on the screen and each of them can be optimized in a different way. So this would be you know, sort of on a conceptual level how you could approach this. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. So the first thing to think about is, you know, what are the elements of your page and understanding what's actually blocking? Do you have heavy files, JavaScript tags that are taking too long to load, you know, image files that are a little too heavy or unoptimized? Is there any sort of benchmark that Google looked at while you were there to understand what is a performant page. Obviously, they're comparing all of the all of the competitive pages against each other. You know, is five seconds good? Are they looking for everything under three seconds? Are there any sort of benchmarks that you should be looking at? Yeah, there's actually tons of benchmarks. Some from a high level, sort of the magic number that was always being used is this three-second benchmark, right? 53% of 
users would leave a page if it takes longer than three seconds to load. Right? So that has been sort of the core numbers that has been used in that time. And since a lot of research has been published and there is an internal team in Google that is actually publishing on the Google Think uh, website quite a lot of extensive research that are industry-specific benchmarks for the travel industry, for the financial industry. So whatever industry you're in, check out the Google Think resources there where you can see very specific benchmarks for those performances. But on a high level, it was this three seconds or 3,000 page speed index that we've been focusing at. And then there is, you know, supporting data around that then sort of that looks into, okay, with every second that you're adding to a load time, the effect that it can have on conversion rates. And yeah, so that's basically been sort of the base thinking in order to see, okay, how fast do we have to get pages? And then obviously Google started to roll up much more with accelerated mobile pages to be even much more faster than that. But three seconds or three page speedings of 3000 for your website is pretty decent goal to have, I'd say. So I think that, you know, as we're framing this in terms of agency thinking, when you're vetting an agency, if they talk about what your site speed goals are, the three second benchmark is one thing to look at and understanding, you know, if you're working with an agency and they're not necessarily focused on page speed or if they're trying to get your page speed down and they can't get to that that mark, they might not be the best agency. And obviously this depends on what your website is doing as well. One other thing I noticed looking at webpagetest.org is that at the top of the page, they go through a couple different categories of, and they actually give you grades, whether what was the first byte time, keeping alive, enabled, compressed transfer, compressed images, yeah. cache static content, and effective use of CDN. It seems like that if those are the five categories that are at the top of the page and you get letter grades, A, B, C, D, E, F, that it's worth thinking about page speed in terms of those categories, you know, what can you do to optimize any of those five categories? And are they the ones that you should be paying attention to? I think it's a really great question. And I think it comes down to the concept of page speed optimization does not necessarily have to be a huge task, right? I think it's probably one of the biggest learnings that it took from all of those years, you know, which was that you know, you can have a big meeting, a board meeting, you look at those metrics. And then in reality, what it comes down to is that there is potentially just an old font file loading in the old font file format, right? And therefore, you don't see the letters on the screen <laughs> for quite a while, right? So to answer your question, obviously, they all have their reason for existence, but there's also different level of effort required in order to actually being able to optimize them. And speed index has a very interesting characteristic, which is that you basically just have to look at the files that you're loading, that you're sending, in order to be able to optimize this, which you know makes it much easier to work on this. So we would have, well, the experience was we would have had Google hackathons where we invite companies, we spend an afternoon, and the page speed would be dropped by three seconds, six seconds. You know, it was even competitions around that. How much do you get done in a couple of hours? Because this concept of the critical rendering path and the effect that each individual file can have can be so huge in some circumstances that it sometimes is just a matter of, okay, looking at the JavaScript files, which ones do you actually need when you're loading above default content? And then you defer the rest of them. And I'm sort of sliding now into speaking about a couple of tips and tricks. Uh, I'm happy to move into that. But I think to answer your question is, yes, all of the categories have their reason for existence. You know, CDN optimization, it's something really important. But PageSpeed Index is something you can do sitting down in a couple of hours and find the major flaws and push it down quite a bit. The last question I'll ask you today is give us some tools and tips that you recommend for ways if brands can quickly lower their page speed. You know, what are some of the 
ways that you've seen do that? Give us the, the secret sauce. Sure. I'm going to give you a couple of tips that we've been using again and again to optimize the pages. So number one, you go to webpagetest.org, you run your test, and you click on what's called the film strip view, and you see a um, step-by-step breakdown how your page is loading, which gives you sort of the ammunition to know into which files to look at. And you will be seeing, for example, that you have a lot of JavaScript files at the top. First tip there, if you have a lot of JavaScript files, have a look, which ones do you actually need? Right now, at the beginning, when the page is loading, you know, sometimes it's the JavaScript that is responsible for the checkout at the very end of the user journey. Those JavaScript files, they can be deferred, what's called deferred, or they can be loaded asynchronously. There's two ways to do that, which means they're just being basically you know, pushed back a little bit in the loading time. And because they're deferred, they're not going to be impacting the critical rendering path. So that's one thing. Check for your JavaScript files. Can you defer some of them? Then there is obviously stuff like images, right? A lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff has been talked about images. Only a few small pointers that I want to give there. So if you are loading images on your page, what you can be doing is you can be loading the, in, the image size that is matching the device size, right? So you have an image that has a size of maybe 450 by 400 and 768, 400, 1,200 times 800. So different versions of your image and you load it depending on which device the user is coming from. So that would be source set in CSS. That's something you guys can be doing in order to decrease the load time of the image. Obviously, compressing images is another thing. Another thing that we've been doing quite a bit with the images, it's a little bit debated, debatable, but it's the idea of base64 encoding. You take one hero image, you base64 encode that. Base64 encoders are all around uh, online, which means you turn your image into a code string. You take the code string, you place it into your HTML, which means it's going to be pushed with the first request because we said just before in the critical rendering path, the HTML is the first file that's being pulled and parsed. So that's one nice thing to do. And then there's you know, lazy loading is another way. You load your pictures on demand, basically. All right, somebody's scrolling the page. And if you can work with libraries such as on GitHub, you will find lazy sizes as a, a nice one to load pictures on demand and not preloading them. Because, you know, most of the pictures on your page or images, you only need once the user starts interacting and not in that first couple of seconds. So that's a really great thing to check. And, and, you know, there's, there's tons more of these like small things. Some things that really fascinated me was the, the fonts, the font files. Super easy trick. If you're not particularly worried about which font you're using, it's recommendable to use something like Open Sans or Roboto. Why? For the very simple reason, they are the most used fonts on the internet, which means the likelihood that a user is already has downloaded and cached that font is super high. It's something like 70, 80%. I'm, I'm about that, about that which means you know they're already going to have per default your font ready on the screen and don't have to wait for a load another small one I'm, and I'm, you know I can can go go on and on and on don't don't stop now <laughs> and another small one will be okay you're lighting you're loading your icon fonts right what we've what I've been seeing again and again is you're using something like icomoon or any other packages of icons and you actually use you know three or four icons on the above the fold screen but you're loading about 600 icons in the package Right? for that first load, right? Because you just you know put in, in that file, which means, again, here you're loading something that you don't need. So you can you know take those three or four icons that you need for the above-default content, page 64, encode them as well, and send them with the first request, and then later load all the other icons that you don't need. So it's really all about pulling the layers and layers of files that are sort of blocking the rendering that you actually don't really need at the very moment. 
And I'd say the standard example has always been the carousel that you have on the top of the screen. A lot of e-commerce pages did and still to a degree are doing this to, you know, have a carousel of flicking images at the top on mobile. And you're coming here to a situation that most of the time this is a JavaScript based. So it's going to be blocking the rendering by default. And it's going to be several images loaded at the same time, which is in a way a recipe for disaster from a page speed perspective, right? Because you have to get that JavaScript first. You have to load all those images, which is going to then take quite a while until you have that first render being done. And on the flip side, the effectiveness of those carousels is really, you know, highly doubtable on whether somebody's actually interacting with those like third, fourth or fifth image. Yeah, so there is a lot of things that you can do. I think the key perspective is to have a look into your own waterfall from webpagetest.org, see how your files are affecting, what files have been loaded when some screen is still blank or your screen is there, but just the hero image is missing. So it's really down to that level. And I think that makes it a little bit more tangible and a little bit more actionable. So page speeds optimization can be done in a matter of a couple of hours. Lots of great advice, lots of low-hanging fruit for our agency partners, for our in-house SEOs as well. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Lucas Hench, founder of PathMonk. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Lucas, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you could visit his company's website, which is pathmonk.com, P-A-T-H-M-O-N-K.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs. Because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions or apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter. And my personal handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Lucas Hench, founder of PathMonk, we're going to publish episodes multiple times during the week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and check back in your feed soon. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Thank you.